0: It's time for us this morning to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Morning, Simi. All right, let's talk about this. This was a revenue-sharing announcement, which usually isn't very exciting when you get those from the provincial government, but there was a lot going on with this one.
1: Major, major announcement yesterday about revenue-sharing between the provincial government and First Nations on forestry revenue. And it's important because, first of all, there's a lot of money involved, but Also, it's kind of, you know, it's another one of these huge shifts that's happening in B.C. because we've embraced the principles of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So when that passed in 2019, it set in motion a long action plan, and this is one of the actions arising out of it. The government is doubling the amount of money First Nations will get from forest revenue so timber harvesting on crown land and it's just the beginning it's a huge amount of money uh, yesterday they're going to be getting 131 million dollars this year but it's also just the beginning uh, they it's about 10% of how much money that is collected from timberlands in the province and several times they told us interim Right at the end of the press conference, you know, this is where you go, wow, the world has changed. Right at the end of the press conference, one of the questions was, well, where is this leading? What kind of a split would we be looking at down the road? And one of the First Nations leaders got up and said, well, how about 50-50? So 50% of the revenue that the crown gets from forest And Simi, you know, you and I say, wow, we've been following this. It, I don't think it's fully gotten through to the B.C. public yet why this is happening and where it is headed. But basically, um, there are two landlords on the land in B.C. The provincial government is no longer the exclusive landlord on what we call crown land. It's shared title with First Nations. There's 204 First Nations, so they're, you know, they don't all agree on what's to be done. But the long-term implications are crown, land, and resources, title, and revenue is going to be shared with First Nations. Whichever First Nation is in the traditional territory, that's who's going to be getting a larger and larger share of the revenue.
0: That's what I find so interesting about these protests that have been happening about old growth logging. I'm wondering, they, that seems to be, they're not realizing that a lot is changing in the forestry sector here. You
1: know, it's a good way to put it, Simi. They, the the protesters see themselves as the future and the leading edge, but they've missed something very important. And it was very clear yesterday in the briefing um, You know, one of the one of the they target the forest companies, right? The big nasty old evil forest companies. This isn't a deal. The forest companies are standing on the sidelines watching this. This is a deal between the two landlords, the provincial government and the First Nations. The forest companies will take what will do what they're told on this, because they don't that's not their deal. And the second thing, and you're right, it came up yesterday when the forest minister, Katrina Conroy, was asked about old growth. You know, she said We, meaning the provincial government, have set aside 1.7 million hectares of old growth, deferred logging on it. But, she said, what ultimately happens is up to the First Nations, who are also the landlords. If they decide they want to manage their own land and their own forest and log it, that's what's going to happen. The provincial government isn't exclusively in charge of this anymore. Exactly, And that's where the protesters really, you know, they're, they're mired in the past. They think if they stir up government against the, provin- you know, opposition to the provincial government and, and get people angry at the forest companies, they're missing a huge shift in power that's occurred in British Columbia in the last few years.
0: That is so true. There doesn't seem to be much awareness of that. And the tactics that they're using, too, are not really gaining them any support, I think, from the public.
1: The tactics are pretty disturbing. And yesterday in the press conference, Katrina Conroy got asked. We'd heard this. She confirmed it. The protesters got a hold of her home number in her riding uh, in the Kootenays. And they posted it online, and they said, phone up the minister. So the minister is down here in Victoria, because that's where the Forest Ministry is. She goes back and forth. My understanding, I mean, matter of record, her husband died a few years ago, quite tragically. Um, She's got a relative looking after her place, and the relative is taking the phone calls. Uh, People phoning up and... That's terrible. And they're not very diplomatic, right? I mean, the, the protests, you know, some people, the listener, may have heard about this fellow in Nanaimo who's threatening to starve himself to death to get a meeting with the forest minister. Conroy's talked to him on the phone. But, you know, that's the same guy who went to the premier's house a few years ago and staged a protest in the premier's driveway. And the premier's wife was home alone, and she was pretty alarmed by it, as you might be. I mean, the politicians... Conroy said it yesterday, as a politician, you know, you accept, you're stepping into the arena, you're going to get some criticism and abuse, but you, the civilized way we do things in British Columbia, for the most part, is you leave families, you leave homes alone. Unfortunately, right now, we have a group of protesters out there, a small but determined one that doesn't respect that tradition and those rules.
0: Okay, and let's talk about what's going on in terms of forestry conferences, too, because there is uh, something that is going on starting with today?
1: Starting today, I think at 8.15 this morning, our time, Conroy is addressing the Council of Forest Industries Convention in Vancouver. So this is where the ministry, the, the industry, gets told by the government, here's where we're going. So Conroy's this morning, the premier is tomorrow, The protesters are demanding a citizen's arrest. And I'm sure that your newsroom has gotten the announcement because mine has. You need pre-approval. There is going to be security at this thing because, I mean, the convention doesn't want the minister to be disrupted in her speech. They don't want the premier to be disrupted in his speech. They want to hear what they have to say. So uh, all eyes on downtown Vancouver, as I said, uh, Conroy, I believe it's eight fifteen this morning. We've got the Federal minister at noon. major conference for the forest industry at a time of major major transition.
0: okay, that sounds like it could potentially get messy, and it doesn't feel like anything is working here. Vaughn. That's a the thing they want they had a meeting with the Environment minister. You know, but nothing seems to be working in terms of diffusing the situation.
1: No, I mean, the, the point... I mean, the strategy is to generate as much awareness, outrage if you want, uh, protest as possible, and put a stop to it. I don't think they're really interested in a meeting with anybody other than as a stunt uh, to draw attention to the fact that they want old-growth logging to stop. But, you know, one of the ironies is... The provincial government, is the forest industry and the provincial government aren't solely the determinants of whether or not logging will go ahead. The Ferry Creek situation over here on Vancouver Island is a good example. The First Nation there wants the logging to go ahead. And their leaders have been quite adamant that the environmentalists should get the hell out of their traditional territory. They're not listening, the protesters, yeah. but, you know, that's the... As I said, we're into... Uh, new territory here and a major shift in terms of power and direction in the the industry that's been the mainstay of the BC economy for generations
0: and now the premier's going to be speaking as well
1: Tomorrow. at this right yes and it, you know the premier's had a bit of a rough time lately as we know he 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 had you know the cancer treatment which was nothing small 36 radiation treatments and then he got covid And he's admitted in interviews that, you know, he's over it, he thinks, but he's he's slowed down. He gets tired at the end of the day. I think, you know, when he lost it in the House on Monday, that was a factor, because it's not like John Horgan to lose his temper since he became Premier. So he's, you know... He's tired, it's understandable. It's not a part-time job, for sure, being Premier. It's a high-stress job, so... You know, everybody will be listening tomorrow, but you can be sure that uh, there will be steps taken to make sure that somebody doesn't attempt a citizen's arrest of the Premier of British Columbia.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn.
1: Bye-bye.